If I haven't met you yet, my name is Swen, and it's an honor to be with you today, and we're looking forward to a good day, right? It's cooled down so we can um, have fun on the field, okay? So let the inner competitiveness come out. Shane, I know you're just going to, like, hand off people as you're running. Like, kids are playing cricket. You're like, get out of my way. Like, we're just going to have a good time today, amen? But we're ready for, for God's Word, and today I'm sharing a message in that it's entitled it, Made for Community, and my hope is that I can convince you today why community is so vitally, vitally important. And so we're going to get into that. So can I just pray quickly for you? Father, I thank you that we get to be in your house today, God. Lord, we trust you and we thank you. There is none like you. And God, I pray that you would speak and minister to us through the power of your word and by your Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, that we are here. Let our hearts be open and ready to receive all that you've got for us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Come on, it is going to be a good, good day. And so yeah, I want to convince you that community is vitally important because we're in a series right now called Start With Why. And the whole premise of the series is that if you will start with the right why, you will find the right way. Okay, because so often we're going through things in life, but if we're disconnected from our purpose, our reason why we're called to go in that kind of direction, we will find ourselves climbing up the ladder in life only to realize that our ladder is against the wrong wall the whole time. We want to be climbing along the right ladder to get where God is calling us to be. And so he is calling us as a church to go, hey, what is our reason For Revive Church, our reason is simple, is we want to see revival in our city. (laughs) I'm not really sure where we need. Okay, so week one. No, Jake. We want to see revival in our city. It's a big dream, but God is a big God. And he wants to see lost people come to know him. And... Part of that vision is to help you, to help people in our city to find life and purpose through Jesus. Because you cannot live out your why, your reason, your God intended purpose in life if you don't first know God. He is, the star, he is the author of life. He is the beginning and the end. He is always and always will be the starting point. And so with him, we find life, but he's also created us for an amazing and powerful purpose in life. We're not just called to suck oxygen. We're called to make an impact and difference in the world. He has called us for something supernatural, something fantastic, something exciting. The biggest thing of our life is not the stress we face at work, but the biggest thing of our life is what God has called us to, which makes the stress of life easier to deal with because we've got our eyes set on the right why, that he is our why, our ladder is against the right wall, and so we can go for it. Amen. And so that's why we are made for community. Our mandate as a church, which Roxy started last week, was that we're called as a people to encounter God. We're not just called to know about God. We're not just called to come to a service on a Sunday, but we're called to encounter God, to walk with God, to know God more, to have a living, breathing relationship with Him. Today, I'm talking about how we're called and we're mandated to be established in community. I believe that God is going to establish Jesus' communities throughout the city of Cape Town because that's how revival is going to get going. 
But you know what? We ourselves have to be established into community if we're going to see the community of God expand throughout our city. And next week, Phil's going to close off our Start With Why series with a powerful word. And if you want to know that, come next, next Sunday. But we want to start with why. Do you know that you've been made for relationship? You've been wired, hardwired for community. It is actually a basic human need to be known and to be loved. Hey, we know all of our warts, all of our problems, all of our shortcomings, all of our insecurities. But you know what? You can be loved anyway. We need that. We need that in life. We need a place to belong. It's, it's part of our human wiring. Just look, even if you're not a Christian and you're into like, like different things like, you know, um, oh, flip, I've completely gone blank. But where, where, where you've got to like, for human flourishing, you need to be in groups, right? Because it would ward off um, attackers and it would be safety in community. Right? Even just at a non-biblical like, level, community is important. Why do we all live in cities? Because there's better views in cities? Because the air is cleaner in cities? No. There's safety, there's commerce, there's togetherness. But it's crazy that in our day and age, with all of our connection, we are lonely, depressed, and isolated. It's crazy that in our day, like even, even just in, on a worldly level, we know that when people isolate themselves and disconnect from people, that they're actually, that's something, that something is wrong there. Like for all my introverts, they're like, no, 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 something's very right there. <laughs> it's not about your preference of introversion or extroversion. When we see people isolate, pull away from family, pull away from relationships, what's generally going on? People are feeling lonely, depressed, anxious. It's all this, it's the spaces where all the insecurities rise to the top. So when you're, when you're disconnecting from community, it's not because you're becoming more unhealthy, you're already unhealthy. And you want to pull away so that no one draws you in, right? It's like when you're sick, you just want to be left alone, Right? And then the church is like your toddler saying, but play with me, play with me, right? We want to call us back to community because community is the place of health. It's, it's actually what you and I have been created for. We've not been created to play Tetris on our own for hours or scroll through social media for hours. We're not called to live life alone. We are called to live life together. Extroverts love being together. Introverts love being together once a week at a meeting on a Friday morning, you know, briefing before, amen? But you know what, what introverts need more than ever is a draw, a pull towards community. And you know what extroverts need more than ever? Authenticity in relationship. We both need real community, despite your preference or my preference. It's weird. I was the most extroverted person, you know. I always wanted to be out. Over the last three years, I love being at home. But we all need relationships. We've been made to belong in community with others. Our purpose is filled through community of God's people. 
We thrive in community. I would go so far as to say, it's not just enough to have friends. You need to have friends who love Jesus, who you can do friendship, you can do life with. I love it in, um, in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, when God creates man and woman, he says, it is not good for man to be alone. Everything he created to that point, he said it was good. He said, though, when, when, when he said, I'm going to find a helper suitable for Adam because it's not good for man to be alone. And that's not, that's not just a verse for single people wanting to get married. If you're single, love your singleness, serve God, right? It's a, it's a verse to say we are called for togetherness. Your cats and your dog cannot give you the community that you need to thrive. Can I get an amen? You need the imperfect people around you who are just as imperfect as you. We need each other. It is not good for us to be alone because we need each other, not just to get through life, but to thrive and to live out our purpose. It's the reason we've been created is to do life with God and to do life with people. That's why Jesus said the greatest command is to love God and love people. We're called to do life together. And the question is, what kind of relationship should it be? And again, I would argue that you need community within your local church. Between I've got friends and we do life together. You know, there's a, there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. If I got that right, that's amazing. Yeah, I did get it right. Paul says to the Corinthian church, don't be misled, but bad company corrupts good character. Now, is he saying don't have any friends who don't believe in Jesus? No, because that's how we become a cult. We want friends who don't know Jesus so that we can be the love of Jesus towards them, right? Always looking outwards, inviting our friends to church, our family to church, our neighbors, all of that. But how, how many of you notice you try to get your life right with God? You're committing to this, this church thing. You're committing to reading a Bible. You're committing to get your life and marriage together. But all of your friends don't share your goals. And as much as you try to change your life, you keep getting sucked into the vortex of what your friends think. So beware you do need friends who don't know Jesus, but more important than that is you need friends who love Jesus and will do life with you. Because bad character, a bad character, bad company corrects, oh my goodness. You know what I'm saying. It's fun day, amen? There are incredible benefits to living in biblical community. Benefits that include, you know, when you're, when you're going through something difficult, people will pray for you. S emotional, spiritual support, facing life's difficulties and challenges together. Your faith gets strengthened and fortified because you're in church most Sundays. You're, you're with a group of people. You're on a text chain. Not those weird, pass it on seven times if you want to be blessed. Don't ever send that rubbish to me. But hey, I'm praying for you. I love you. You got this thing happening this week. I'm here for you, right? You get fortified in your faith. You get stability. 
You get a family, you get a place of belonging because the Christian faith is not just all about believing. It's about belonging. Because even, even the demons believe in Jesus and shudder. It's not just about faith, it's about faith in community. It's a place where we, dis- we disciple each other. It's a place of friendship. Your purpose gets fulfilled. A place where you're needed. Why don't you turn to the person on your left and say, hey, I don't know you, but I need you. And if you don't have somebody sitting next to you, why didn't you invite someone to church this morning? My son's uh, playing the piano, and so now he's got this, this line, dun, 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 all the time. But community is where our gifts are identified and deployed. It's a place for accountability for growth, and it's a place for spiritual oversight. You know, those are things that we all need in life. We all need those things. There's actually an internal craving for us in those things. And if we don't find it in the church, we will find it in other places that are not healthy. Are there perfect relationships in the church? No. Why? Because you and I are in it. But together, we will become more like Jesus through the whole process. And so if you're taking notes, I'll give you this line to write down that community is the context of discipleship. Community is the context of discipleship. I would go so far as to say that if you are not in relationship with other Christians, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus. It's impossible. We need each other, and I'll show you why. We look at the example of Jesus. Now, Jesus is God, right? Do you think Jesus needs a counselor? No. Do you think Jesus needed to share his innermost struggles with people? Probably not. But he did, didn't he? When Jesus came to you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, not born in palaces, but born in a poor stable, what did he do? When he started his ministry, he built a community. He built a team. He built friendships. Our goal in church is not just to be a friendly church, but that you make friends at church and in church. Jesus didn't come to build an event. He came to build relationships because his kingdom is a relational kingdom. Our spiritual growth is connected to the relationships that we have. So when Jesus came to the earth, he had disciples. He said, hey, come and follow me. Come and follow me. He ministered to thousands, but he shared life with a group. And in fact, what we find out in Jesus' ministry is that he spent more of his ministry time with a small group than he did with the large group. The large group would go, you're so amazing. No, what did he have to come back to? Peter saying the wrong thing. The, you know, two, two of his followers wanting to call down, you know, fire from heaven to kill people. You know, like this is, this is the real life. It wasn't just the glamour of the big event. 
it was relationship, one-on-one relationship, because Jesus knew that to disciple people, he'd have to impart his life upon people and share life with people where, you know, Thomas would have to get over being a doubting person and had to get through faith. And that's why he needed Simon because Simon had so much faith that he would walk on water, but he would also have so much faith that he's gonna now pull a sword and defeat an entire Roman army by himself, right? He needed, he needed uh, Matthew, he needed Levi. He needed all these guys together to do life together. That's how Jesus decided to bring the kingdom of heaven was through relationship with imperfect people like you and like me because he's not just building a kingdom, but he's building a family. What he would do to make sure that the gospel would change the world is he would say to his small group, guys, you just keep spreading the message. And do you know what they did wherever they went? Is they didn't build ministries. They built small groups. They built friendship circles. They built churches. They hung out together. In fact, one of the amazing stories is that Paul, like me, has a habit of talking too much when he had a microphone in his hand. And a boy was sitting in the windowsill one night and he was preaching and, and Luke actually records it. Paul went on and on and on. Hey, as we get closer to lunch, Swen, could you stop going on and on and on? And, a, and the boy fell out of the window. So be careful up there on the balcony. He fell out of the window, died. But then Paul just went downstairs, raised the kids to life and carried on preaching. But you know what? It was done in the context of relationships, all of it. We need community. We need each other's imperfections. Jesus was the example for us. And make no mistake, God is calling us to be made in the image and likeness of Jesus. Romans uh, 8.29, to be conformed into the image of Christ. Our goal is to look more like Jesus by the end of our life. And then what the early church did is the early church organized themselves in little groups. They organized, like in churches throughout the generations have been communities. And so we know that the spreading of the gospel and our purpose is fulfilled through groups, through community. I'll take you, take you to Acts chapter two, verse 44 to 47. This is what uh, Luke writes as he records the book of Acts. He says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with, with awe at the mighty wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were there and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone that had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in, temple, in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, what we see here that this is Um, Luke recording what was happening. He wasn't prescribing something, but he was witnessing what the early church did right in the beginning. And we can see through the book of Acts that kind of thing continuing. That what people would do is they would get together. 
They would be in each other's company. They would be taught. They would share things. They would laugh together. They would break bread together. They would eat meals together. They would worship together. They would take communion together. They would pray together. And they would have fellowship with one another. Biblical community is vitally important. Because not only do we get what we need from God and from one another, but we also become a force to be able to witness more about Jesus. Jesus said, by the way you love one another, people will identify you as my disciples. How do you love people when you're never in contact with people? And for some of us, that's the dream. But that's not God's dream for your life. God's dream for your life is that you are incredibly known and loved anyway. And you would love other people too. That's God's dream for your life. And that's where your why can be lived out. The very first word Paul, uh, Luke writes is they. You've got to have a they. And what I mean by they is I don't mean a, an event you attend together. Did anybody go to Imagine Dragons or Sting this week? Shot for the invitation, guys. <laughs> awesome, eh? Isn't it amazing to be caught up in an environment like that? Singing, dancing, having an amazing time, or was it not that good? Amazing. amazing. Okay, fantastic. Somebody's talking to me. I, saw the, I saw, actually saw your videos on Instagram. They were amazing. I'm like, yeah, that was cool. So one person enjoyed Imagine Dragons. That's fantastic. <laughs> and that's an incredible event. To go to. It's amazing. But you know what? Nobody there knows your name. Nobody there knows what you're going through. Nobody there is going to stop and pray for you. No one's going to say, hey, you look a bit down. Can I, can I take you out for a cup of coffee? Right? We need a day where people know our name, they know our story, and they can lift us up. Anybody watch Cheers growing up? Hey, the bar where everyone knows your name? Yeah. So I've heard. <laughs> but they did four things in this community of believers. They learned the ways of Jesus together by hearing the apostles' teaching. And then later on, they began to write those teachings down. You know that discipleship happens in community. Remember, community is the context for discipleship. You can study at home, but you can't be a disciple without people. And so they would learn about Jesus. And they would learn how you're supposed to love the unlovable be kind to the downtrodden. Forgive your enemy. Turn the other cheek. It's tough stuff. But they would have to do it in community. Probably the person they were sitting next to, like irritated the life out of them. And then Paul or Peter or somebody said, you know, you know, Jesus actually wants you to make right before you worship. And then Peter would look up and look at the two, right? Just things that happen in context. Because the goal for us is spiritual maturity. And we do that through discipleship, through learning and applying. The next thing they did was fellowship. Fellowship. That's having relationship with believers in the church. Fellowship where people know your name, they know your story the place that you're committed, the place that you're planted. Have you ever heard the phrase, you flourish where you're planted? That's where we have fellowship with one another. 
where we grow together. In fact, fellowship is the incubator for discipleship. It's where discipleship gets stirred and gets hot and gets heated. And uh, as one uh, iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. Where you're in a life group and you're talking about something and it's, your heart gets stirred and you pray together. Or you're at the workplace, you started a prayer meeting. Or you're in a, f- a few group of people and you're believing God for your marriages to be healed. That's where discipleship begins to happen but you cannot be a disciple with your buddies from high school who don't know Jesus. They're your ministry. They're not your fellowship. Is this getting too real? Are we okay? I love you. God loves you. Remember that. The Christian life is not only about believing, but about belonging. And do you know how you belong? Is you make a commitment. Oh, that's the, that is the swear word of the 21st century. Because like, and for Capetonians, aren't we like, I'm going to be there, but we check if anything else happens better. I'm coming to your bri, but I've got another plan in the making. Not me, but. Or we have our, keep our options open. And in this, in this generation, what do we want? We want everything customizable. An experience that's customizable to me. I'm not saying that's bad, but the early church was not birthed in the context of individualism. It was birthed in the context of relationship, and that's where it is strengthened. And so you actually have to make a commitment to fellowship, a commitment to being a member of a local church. They did communion where they proclaimed Christ as Lord. They prayed together. All of these things were relational activities, not isolated activities. Yes, you can learn online. Yes, you can pray at home. But can you break bread at home? You're like, break, I'll eat both halves of the loaf, right? No, you break bread together. You have fellowship together. So my question to us is, do people know you? Do they know your story? Do you have people around you that disagree with you? Do you have people who love you in spite of all of your issues? And do you love people in spite of their issues? Now I am asking on behalf of everyone here, let's tone the drama down a little bit. Less drama usually equals more relationship. If you're high drama all of the time, Relationships are hard. Yes, we all have dramatic moments, okay? Welcome to humanity. But let's tone the drama down and we can have better relationships, amen? Ooh, that's... (laughs) Ryan loves me. Thanks, Ryan. Our team can come up as I close off this, this message. What am I trying to do? I'm not trying to say the community is hard work. I'm simply asking us to be committed to community because your purpose is wrapped up in the people that you do life with. It really is. There's this this, um, age-old saying, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. We don't just want to be a friendly church. We want to help you to make friends at church because the people you do life with is the direction your life is going to take. The commitments that you make is what's going to help you to grow. 
If you want a healthy, flourishing, thriving marriage, you're going to be committed to one another. Because I tell you something, we all have ugly seasons in marriage. We all have selfish moments in marriage. But you don't at that point go, you know what? I don't love you anymore. No, where do you go? I don't feel like I love you, but I'm going to love you because I'm committed to you through this season. Same thing for friendships. If you broke off friendships every time you didn't like one another, you would have no friends. And maybe that's why you have no friends. Let's be committed to one another through the difficult seasons of life. Because do you know what marriages are the healthiest? The ones that are committed. Do you know what friendships are the, one, are the healthiest? The ones that are committed. Do you know what churches are the healthiest? The ones that are committed to God and each other. And I, like, in preparing to, for this message, I'm gonna, I, I really didn't want to share this. I really, I, this part I did not want to share. But there's, this, um, there's this, this rich young ruler, and he comes to Jesus, and he's wealthy. He's got everything you could possibly imagine. And he comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, what do I need for eternal life? And Jesus says, you know, do this and do that and, you know, keep the commandments. And he's like, that's good. I have been a good Christian all my life. That's my phrase. Attend church, honor my mother and father, you know, haven't stolen, haven't lied. What else? Well, Jesus says, well, then if, if you're so confident, again, my phrase, then why don't you sell everything you have, give it off to the poor and come and follow me. And at that point, the guy leaves incredibly frustrated and sad. Why? Because he wasn't willing to let go what he really wanted to hold on to. And I actually felt God like lead us in my heart to say, today maybe some of us have to let go of wanting to stay in isolation. Wanting to let go what's so important to us because don't, don't be fooled. Relationship is the Jesus way. And there's so many more scriptures I could give us. But I believe that God wants to do a miracle in your life today where you go, no longer will I let busyness keep me from my purpose through relationship. No longer will I let fear of rejection keep me from my purpose through relationship in Jesus. No longer will I let my insecurities dictate my relationship with Jesus and my discipleship journey. That's what I just feel like is for some of us today. Now, some of us are doing life together, and I, I honestly, I'm so grateful for you. You're probably amongst the healthiest people in, in the church. Because you're going to following Jesus together. And I don't have a prescription of how you should do community. Oh, there's only, there's only one way to do community, and that's the way we do community. No, it's like what we have in our church is ways that you can do community, ways that we encourage community. But hey, you might be on a different chart, different journey, different way. But what you've got to do is say, I'm committing myself to a group of people that I will do life with and who love Jesus and want to follow him. So we do it in two ways. There's life group. Life group is one way. I, like, 
you, like, I highly recommend getting in a group because in a group, you're going to make friends. And if there's a group that you don't like, we give you another group. Hey? We're like the app store. We've got a group for that. Your business, we've got a group for that. You're 72, we've got a group for that. You're 16, we've got a group for that. You like kite surfing, we've got a group for that. Just people, right? To do life with people and to take that step to go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. The second way that you can do community in our church is make a decision to become a member or at least attend the membership class, which is DNA next week for two Sundays. Because in DNA, we teach you how all of your purpose is wrapped up in the church that you belong to, that you're committed to. That's where it is. And the good news is if it's not this church, that's fine. But it has to be in a church. And you can make a decision to grow by attending the DNA course. Maybe you've done DNA, fantastic. Then go along to grow. Why do we run the grow course? So that we can help you to equip you with habits and tools so that you can be a disciple of Jesus in the, relation, in, in the context of relationship. And then there's shape after that. If you've done grow and then you want to discover your gifts, talents, and abilities and the heart of God for your life to fulfill your purpose. So and that's a lot of courses, yes. So that we can, in relationship, help you for the journey of discipleship. Because Sundays is not where all the magic happens. We encounter God together, but there's more for you than Sundays. Can I pray for us this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and mercy, God. Lord, truly there's none like you. Father, we love you. And Lord, right now I pray that you would help those of us who are resisting the thoughts of healthy relationships in the church, I pray that you would help us to overcome it, God, because you didn't die for us to be saved in isolation, but to be saved in a community called the family of God. And Father, I pray that you would encourage every heart in this house today to know that there is a family that they can belong to, there is a friendship that they can have. And God, I know that that's already gonna change the, their destiny and they walk with you. I pray today, Father, that you would help us to forgive one another. Maybe for some of us, that's what we need to do next. But God, we commit ourselves to you. We wanna build our lives on a strong foundation of your word. And your word points us towards relationship with each other where we can grow. And so I pray that you'd help us with this in Jesus' mighty name.